hello, and welcome to Good Faith Effort. All right, so if you listen to this podcast, you know the thing I love to talk about most is how the values and ideas of the Bible inform quite literally all the greatest conversations in life and society. And this week, of course, folks across the country and across the world, even during this crazy plague-ridden time we live in, are going to be talking about love. St. Valentine's Day. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why would a rabbi care about this? It's certainly not a Jewish holiday, and good point, but guess what the Bible and Jewish tradition more broadly have a ton to say about? Love. So, if everyone's going to be talking about it, I want everyone to hear the Bible's perspective. Now, if you're expecting us here at Good Faith Effort to send you chocolates or flowers, you may be out of luck, but we are going to give you a little gift, a little nugget that'll drop in your feed each day where we're going to talk about a different type of love that appears in the Bible, from romantic love, to love of family, to caring for oneself, to religious love. And of course, since we're going to be bringing matters of the soul into modern culture, I'm going to frame each one of these short daily nuggets with some wisdom from some of the greatest modern philosophers of love. I refer, of course, to the Beatles. So, I want to actually talk today about the last song of the Beatles' career, I, Me, Mine. It's a classic George Harrison bit. And it's this beautiful, haunting song that, you know, he took from his involvement with Hindu wisdom, with the Bhagavad Gita and other texts like that. Uh, And it's a critique of the ego, of obsession with the self. And, you know, it comes out of this really terrible experience that the Beatles have at the end of their career where they just, they're just a bunch of humongous ego monsters that can't get along, especially Paul and John. And, you know, as George Harrison kind of comes into his own as a songwriter, John Lennon in particular was just super dismissive about it. And Paul McCartney would insist on practicing for like 40 takes of like Maxwell's Silver Hammer, uh, not the greatest song, uh, and ignoring some really, you know, gems of George Harrison's writing career. And so this song kind of comes out of a reflection of that. And John didn't even play on it. Um, you know, that's how acrimonious things had gotten at the end. But it's this song that really critiques the obsession with I, me, mine, with focusing on oneself. And the question that the song raises is, is it possible for people to really expand beyond focusing on love of self? I mean, love of self is a powerful, motivating force. I mean, it's baked into our DNA. Um, I mean, we've evolved to have that sense of self-preservation, that sense of self-love. Is it possible to get beyond it? And the message of the song kind of appears to be no. I mean, no one in the song ever gets beyond it. It's just I, me, mine from beginning to end. And so the question is, what does the Bible have to say about something like this? I mean, that's one of the classic human questions. Is it possible to move beyond love of self to something else? Is love of self good? I mean, should you move beyond it? I mean, should should you have it at all? Now, the ground zero for the Bible thinking about this, I think is the story of King David. I mean, King David um, is this incredibly rich, beautiful, complicated figure in the history of world literature, let alone biblical literature. And at first glance, he's kind of this figure that does seem, you know, if you didn't know better, he just seems obsessed with the self. I mean, he's everything he does is to advance his political career. He's, uh, you know, he's a hero. He loves public spectacle. He's a musician. He's this just complete extrovert. And at some point, as Jewish tradition acknowledges, he becomes a sinner because of his 
you know, self-love and, and self-regard. You know, and so at, at, at a certain point of his career, David's even messing around with a married woman, with Bathsheba. And Jewish tradition and the Bible itself condemns him for this. And you could think of King's David life until, life until then, you could think of his life until then, as just an, an expression of self-love. And so maybe self-love is a terrible thing. But then the turning point comes. And it's after David sins with Bathsheba. And the prophet, Nathan, calls him to account. Because, of course, the Hebrew Bible introduced to civilization the idea that even a king is not above the law. That was a revolutionary moment in world history. And Nathan tells David that his entire house is going to be cursed for this. And any child that he has with Bathsheba is going to die. And sure enough, they have a child. child falls sick. And against all hope, David fasts. He goes without food. He goes without sleep, hoping to save this child's life. And nothing works. And there's this incredible moment where after the child dies, David gets up and just robotically, mechanically starts to go about his business. And people are perplexed and they say, are you okay? All of his courtiers are asking him, are you okay? And this is the first moment in the entire story of David where he says something that is not meant to advance his political career. And he says the following. While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. It's this devastating moment of humanity where David realizes, I am fundamentally the same as this child, human being. And if that's the case, I'm fundamentally the same as the people that I've wronged uh, along this bumpy road that I've taken to the kingship. It's this moment where David realizes that the self-love that brought him to a place of real power and influence in a positive way to create this, this kingdom and this tradition that would stand the test of time, the Hebrew civilization that would give the world the most revolutionary text it ever received, the Bible, it's this moment where he realizes that the self-love that brought him there can't just be ambition. It can't just be personal advancement. It has to be the kind of self-love that recognizes the divine image in yourself and that therefore leads you to recognize the divine image in all others, whether it be a child you lost or a person you've wronged. And so I suppose the Hebrew Bible's answer to George Harrison is, sure, I mean mine uh, can be destructive, but it can also be powerful if it reminds you that I and me and mine are actually the same I, me, mine that everybody else thinks about. And since we're all created in the image of God, then perhaps self-love can lead to other love. And that's the lesson for this week. Caring for yourself, loving yourself is important, but only if that self-love leads you to recognize your common humanity with others. And sometimes, as in David's case, it can be a tragic realization. And certainly I, me, mine, despite its heavy metal chorus, is a lament but it can also be a triumphant realization, something that draws you closer to others. So let's help Americans focus on that this week. And that's it for today. I'll see you next time. Oh, and before you go, if you like what you heard here, sign up to be notified about my upcoming course on thejoshuaproject.com. All you need to do is sign up for free 
at thejoshuaproject.com slash love. It's super simple. Again, thejoshuaproject.com slash love. Can't wait to see you there. The Joshua Network is now Soul Shop. <laughs> 